Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Two and a Half Gays. I'm Marvin. I'm Theo. And I'm Jamal. Yay, another <laughs> episode. Guess who's back in the house. <laughs> da, da, da. Anyway. How are we feeling first of all? Are, do, are we doing a mental checkup? Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm still fine. I just really want this to end now. I'm so over just Corona on so many levels. <sighs> Likewise. Yeah. Yeah, I think we at on day 102. We celebrated day... No, we had day 100 yesterday. We're day 101 now. Um, so, Cyril has really <laughs> kept us on our toes. He has um, made sure that we have felt these 100 days. We've lived two years in the span of... Um, how many months? Four, four, four months. months. So, sugar... I feel like no one is the same person that they were <laughs> pre-corona. We don't know who she is. We don't know what that was like. We are just reborn people. <laughs> Existing. <laughs> Happy to be alive for another day, corona-free. Okay. I actually like the fact that we've actually, you know, created Miss Rona to be a woman because she is that bitch. She's really crowned herself as that bitch. She she took Lizzo's line very seriously. Oh, my 100% bad bitch. Even when I'm crying crazy. <laughs> and she's got people crying and people crazy. I love the way Marianne Tham actually described Miss Rona. She said that, you know, she is this vicious person that actually will steal people's lives regardless if they're black, white, old or young. Mariam, I'm literally begging for you for a job, please. <laughs> that's, anyway, it's so dramatic and so dark. But yes, that's how she described Miss um, Rona, and I think it's quite accurate, to be honest with you. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> what a segue. I was like... Anyway, so we're not even actually really moving on because we're still talking about Miss Coco B and the gays. <laughs> this this just end of Pride Month first before we get to the guy. Um so we did Pride Month is obviously done. We're now in halfway through the year, it feels like this year it's just been one big giant <sighs> prank actually. Um <laughs> We've been pumped. <laughs> Waiting for Ashton Kutcher to go. <laughs> but Pride Month has been really interesting in the digital space. There were a lot of, especially with Pride coinciding with uh, BLM, uh, a lot of positive things came out with regards to um, putting queer black people front and center of Pride this year compared to previous years. Mm-hmm. A lot of the focus was on black queer lives mattering and how it intersects with Pride, because people also forget that Pride was initially a riot before it became just a parade, a parade and you hooking up with some random dude in the corner. In the bushes. Bushes, toilets, clubs, <laughs> anywhere. So yeah, I think it was good for Pride as a like a cultural reset. For people to realize what Pride was, a, what Pride is actually about. It's, yeah, to take stock. Yeah. It was a good time where we all just like, were contemplating. Look, Pride we can't relate because we had Pride. <laughs> yes. So, we got the best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, hey, we were living our, our summer gay life. 
Yeah. And then like Thank still God, said, eh? Yeah, we actually glad that Miss Rona just came. She didn't block our summer. Yeah. <laughs> she said, "You bitches can have summer, but I'm taking your winter." So it's fine, Miss Rona. It's fine. And please watch my webinar on the Stars Facebook page. Very interesting conversation over there. Yeah, we it. we have to give a round of applause yeah. to Mister Mal for doing what had to be done. Very fascinating discussion, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Very fascinating, <laughs> riveting, riveting, absolutely um, riveting. And also, just like girl, you did what had to be done. You mm-hmm. helped educate while also talking about um, what it means to be part of this community that we all represent. Um, in such a way that like um, people can just get a glimpse of, of some of the challenges that we face. Cause I think because we just our representation specifically within South Africa is very flamboyant mm. and very the life of the party, darling. So um, it's good to always see that we are more than that dimension that they're trying to paint us as. Mm. Um, and so it was just a really nice discussion for us to get into how layered it is to be gay in South Africa, especially because we have to account for our own privileges and the fact that being gay in the city is not being the same as being gay in the township. And so mm-hmm. we just appreciate that discussion. It was very insightful and everyone, please go watch it. Um, I yeah. think it's important that we actually have these discussions. You know, I think all media houses should have these discussions. Mainstream media houses should have these discussions. Yeah, I think a lot of times the problem is like we get shoved into the not so much in Africa because we don't have like a big gay media, but like America, a lot of these discussions mm-hmm. get shoved to the um, queer queer newspapers and queer mm. um, queer publications like Outs and uh, Quirky and yeah, like a lot of it gets shoved there and doesn't get like the mainstream. Yeah, mainstream like, media mm, attention. Uh, especially if you kind of actually just look at like main websites that don't even have a, a LGBTQ section on the website. And that's, and that in and of alone would like just go such a long way in that kind of like creating a voice for the community in the fact that even just having, it's not necessarily, not necessarily a section that like um, people just kind of need to run, but just because we just really write about but LGBT stories are just another way for people to then find those specific stories. Um, and I do think it's something that we should kind of like, at least kind of like just initiate discussions about because mm-hmm. in that way you bringing awareness without having to do too much. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's important yeah. these discussions. And I think our media companies need to wake the fuck up. <laughs> and it's also very funny given the fact that most of our media is gay. <laughs> exactly. Your writers are gay. Yeah, you realize like like some newsrooms, not to mention names, but some newsrooms are just made up of like 80% of LGBT people. Literally. Literally. But we don't talk about it. <laughs> because we're just not trying to shake that boat yet. <laughs> but um, yeah, so... We exist. <laughs> we are everywhere. We're publishing the content that you read. Um, so it's good that people just also be aware that, like, there's more to our community than what is often portrayed. 
So mm. yeah, um, Sisi Kela made a great point about like we also need more queer representation, not just in entertainment, which is entertainment of the creative spaces where we live the most. To interject, Sisi Kela was the one who was with him in the, and the webinar. In the webinar, um, she's a poet and a writer. Um, because we don't see a lot of. Uh, when it comes to like any other sector, like lawyers, doctors, or like anything out of the creative space, because that's usually where we live, because that's usually the safest. Mm-hmm. But like we know, like queer doctors and queer lawyers. Yes, and they are as gay as what <laughs> we just are. As messy. <laughs> yes. Sometimes even more. Yeah, because he in the clubs, know. and then we hear about STD stories on Insta stories. So it's just <laughs> we. You're the only one here that met up with two doctors. Oh, with two? Yes, 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 two. That's two. Yes, two. <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot about that. I was like, what? Yes, go to. Yeah, I remember everything. You do the oracle. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah, it's just again, they also the engineers. They are in academia. Well, also acted besides writing academia. It's like the second. The place, of course, you go become a journalist, you're a writer, academia, <laughs> and then all of the more technical subjects. We gays really don't like our numbers. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a wrong it's a it's a wrong stereotype, but it's also there's so much truth to it. So speaking about gays, so in the UK, they relaxed um, lockdown regulations, so restaurants and bars open, and the fags were out and about. People we saw just... pictures of people making art. I'm assuming with random people because yes. gays. And I'm just like, did Miss Rona end? Did 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 we miss the memo? Like, did she just decide to stay here in South Africa and sit told the UK like, now nah, I'm done, babes, <laughs> because it looked like a no. <laughs> because I was looking at the pictures and the videos, and I'm like, I was I was here in Feb. I didn't even look that busy when I was there. Mind you, it was the middle of winter. This is in London, in Soho, where most of the, uh, like, gay bars, like gay, G-A-Y, uh, and people were just out, living their best, rain on me lives, and I'm like, so it's Rona over. Are we just going to pretend like it's done? Is that what we're doing right now? It's, okay. And it's really crazy how... She she swept the world and now all of a sudden she decided to say, Okay, UK, you guys are free. <laughs> Greece, you guys are free. Okay, but Trump- to be fair, Greece was done. Okay. New Zealand is okay. done. They're actually yeah. done. Yeah, they done. The UK and whatever whatever Trump is doing there in America, yeah. she's still selling out stadiums. <laughs> like <laughs> why? Pretending like she's not <laughs> Like even like so it was fourth of July weekend this weekend. Uh, obviously this means nothing for the rest of the world. Yes. But the gays were out. The New York gays went to Fire Island. They were packed. People were at pools. Music was pumping. There was not a mask in sight. Just half-naked men. People making out with random people. And I'm like... Okay, so this is what we're doing now. Like, are we just... like? Do we not care anymore? Is that... And it's so weird because like... We deserve... We are living still like life in lockdown. Also... Just like in a single day, we had nearly 11,000 new cases. This is in South Africa. No one cared. And like, the <laughs> no news came, cared. we just like, we looked at it. And again, it's also this weird thing of us being in the news and reporting on this. is the fact that like, we see the stats because we work with the numbers. 
um, people are really actually just like glancing at coronavirus stories these days. Like the big ones, they kind of read, but everyone's kind of fed out, fed up, and everyone's like, "Kiki, if I die, I die." It's like it. It might not be the case, but that's what it feels like, and the way people are talking about it, and it's just a really weird situation to kind of be in, where you know that people are dying because of this, and it's really serious. But we all just like, yeah, no, sure. I think to, you know, South Africans are just fed up on another level. They are just fed up because, but we also don't handle things the right way. But also, I blame the government. If I have someone to blame, I'll have to blame the government. To be honest with you, and not because I'm tipsy. <laughs> but also because I think that um, the government has made so many demands from us that it seems too far fetched to be and honest. And Cupcake with you. also essentially said in his last address, which was when? Yeah, know, when a was month last? ago. A month ago. Yeah, basically, Cupcake was like, South Africans, start your engines and may the best immune system win! And then we, we went. Schools are opening. It's actually very surprising that we haven't heard from Cupcake in a while. Because Cupcake was like, you know what? Kill yourself. <laughs> it was it's like, it's actually really weird. That like, I know he was answering questions in Parliament or something, but like, we had He wasn't even of, in Parliament. He was, yes, he was just in his little. Um, in his office. In his office answering questions digitally. <laughs> but it's, it's this weird thing of like. Cyril was, we were seeing Cyril weekly, we were, seeing, we were seeing him, he was president in action. Now it's like, where's Cupcake? Is he? That's again, it's because I keep saying Cyril is in the group project from hell. <laughs> like, if there ever is a group project you don't want to be with, it's Cyril and his merry men. Yeah, Because, like, yeah, like his I... leadership at the beginning was like really stellar and mm. he did it really well. And at least what you said, the group project from hell, because... Every time he said something, and then I just jump in with um, a, but wait, there's more. <laughs> and then, like, our police ministers obsessed with alcohol and cigarettes. Meanwhile, women are dying at an alarming rate. Your but girl. you want to focus on this thing. And Your we girl. all are so confused. And, like, we literally were here, I think it was actually, it's almost a year now, where we had the big outcry for gender-based violence. We're back at it again this year. And it seems like, yet again, it's thoughts and prayers we feel for you. We need to take action. Kanti, where is the action being taken? It's been it's been a whole almost 12 months and we're still here yeah. in this mess. It's, it, again, it is actually really weird how um, Becky Kele was just like, we must stop with the alcohol, we must stop mm. with the like cigarettes and focus on this. And we're just like, sir, we understand. But now gender-based violence. <laughs> like, we... This is if there's ever a time when you have the luxury of having police officers focus their attention on like actual on, crimes. On actual nice. crimes. <laughs> this was it. I remember the big story that broke was police officers or actual city law enforcement um arresting five men on the beach who had two bodies um and because they were dumping bodies along the beach and at a at a really well known kind of like location that is um that is known for like where people dump bodies apparently also why don't you have cameras and set up there for this in the first first case but again police inefficiencies people don't think that far but again it's this weird thing of like this was the time when you can focus on these major crimes because for the most part South Africans were listening to lockdown rules we were staying inside because we understood the importance gender-based violence um 
the stuff like um, the, the the calls and the in the incidents spiked dramatically because people were home. Um, but then that should have been your opportune time to say, okay, let's go to these people's houses, let's track this down. And yes, it's a thing of the victims have to kind of like speak out and you can't force victims to speak out. But just then put people in like shelters for a bit and then give them the opportunity and the luxury to kind of have that time away and then um, just reevaluate because sometimes distance is your biggest savior and your biggest um, kind of advantage that you can give someone. It's just like time apart or time away from the situation so they can really assess what they want to do for themselves and the decisions that they want to make. But yeah, we're out here like it's just like rolling the dice. Hey guys, we're making decisions by on the numbers. Are we moving two? Let's move two. Are we moving three? Okay. Oh, we, we got eaten by snake. Let's go down. It's like... It's... I, I spoke to someone on Twitter about gender-based violence and I said it's probably going to take something like a George Floyd video where people actually have to sit and see a woman being killed in front of their eyes in a video before like it comes kind of that sort of sort of a movement where we had with the Black Lives Matter mm. movement even though Black Lives Matter has been going on for years. Um, but I, I think it's going to need, unfortunately, even the accounts of, like, um, the one woman that was, like, cut up into pieces or... And the one who was hanged. Hanged. Pregnant. Um, people, it's going to take a video of people physically seeing life being taken from someone. And it's really fucked up that that has to be what it is because it sounds so kind of like messed up like to say that but i completely get where you're coming from because it's the thing of how there's not a day on twitter where we aren't scrolling and reading someone's story about being sexually harassed being abused being a victim of gender-based violence every single day is a story and as a society you can even see it on social media so african may not just like it's just vibes. But uh, just it's, going about it's just it vibes. like it's, oh, okay, it's this is this is fine. This is like the norm. When it's just like you realize how fucked up this is that women's trauma is normalized. Mm. And trauma and like trauma against and abuse against children and women has become so normalized in the country that the men are like, oh, yeah, this is, this is kind of okay. It's like, and that's also a thing like we as men, we also accountable, um, especially like yes, as queer men, like we, um, we kind of like or maybe more sympathetic to what, um, we have, we seem to have more compassion. I don't know than our straight male counterparts, but it's also a thing of like. We also have to do, our bit, and it's and it's sometimes I think it's really frustrating for us because. We really want to be there for a, for the woman in our life and kind of help them, but like we're not there in those moments that like that these things kind of happen because we're always like out in social settings or we we try to connect with them um, in kind of like pers in kind of like personal ways, but it's just it's just really um, it's really kind of a frustrating situation to be in where you just trying to amplify the voices of women and then men want to come and make a mockery or straight men and it's just like more oftentimes straight cisgender men want to just come and like 
say, oh, and put us down and then be homophobic and like, and we're just trying to amplify voices and make sure people are heard and and just kind of help progress, move society forward, but ish. The patriarch is the drug and that's the problem. Like it all stems from, and what these men don't realize, they're being agents of, <coughs> they're being agents of white supremacy and this, this hatred for everything feminine and this, um, the misogynoir that just is perpetuated because that also is the cause of all of this is because the world hates black women. That's the end and bust of it. And they, cishead men aren't willing to, willing to do the work to dismantle because once you just, dis- they, what they don't understand is dismantling patriarchy is not just for women. It's for them too. Yeah. Like it benefits you to, to dismantle patriarchy and misogyny. There's so many shackles you. you would be released from. If you just dismantle the system, because yeah, like gender dismant- norms would no longer like be there to kind of really box you in. Because even as men, they suffer from being boxed in by gender norms. And do they realize this? No, because they like the benefit of patriarchy. So. Yeah, no, it's just ugh, but this, yeah, South African men were disappointment, especially this week. So yeah, <laughs> this week, I don't know who it was, some random user decided to start a thread of essay men and when i tell y'all it was embarrassing i saw that thread and i was like please queer stay away from this we didn't but it was just uh the level of ugliness the level of lack of height the level of non-connecting it was just this is a this is an ongoing thing with jamal he keeps dragging some african men over how short we are it was just the lack of flavor. My God. It was embarrassing. It was really, truly embarrassing. So, the... It's and quick, obviously the gays came to the rescue with our own thread. So, another... Uh, uh, I think, was the... At was something, he started the thread of um, South African queer men. And it was just glowing skin. It was looks. It was mass. It was It was thin. It was it connecting was... beards. Which is everything, darling. It was just... <laughs> just came with the, the heat, the flame. I came know. to slay, bitch. It was that... Lifting the group average yet again. <laughs> just, you know, that thing, Yana. Hi, here comes Studio T. Out of the woodworks. I don't know who called for him. I don't know who sent for him. I wonder if you got a memo from Kenya Moore. I'm like... Babes, no one said for you. I don't know why. Like, why did you come? No, you didn't get an invite to this party. Anyway, he tweeted, so y'all are like gay gay. And then subsequently something about, but Stooji will still let y'all something, defend y'all, whatever. Faith, foe, Yeah, like, cause like, follow, fo- like, yeah, follow, like, uh, follow your... Your heart and, and I was still sent up for you and, 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 and we all just went Gay gay? What's gay gay? Gay gay? What's gay gay? Gay gay? Are you gay gay? Are you gay gay? And we were having a moment It was such a nice moment And he came in with his These fucking sisters We were happy We were just being happy and gay And <sighs> I'm so happy I'm so happy and gay and free And then just had to come. No, I don't think. So. Well, I. The thing is, I don't think Stooji is homophobic, but what he said is homophobic. If that makes sense. So it's, basically, it's, Stooji yeah. was being obtuse, and it was very much a microaggression with the gay gay, because yet again, it's because because in that thread you see this wide variety of men from very hyper masculine to hyper feminine 
and all in between of expression. Yeah, and because don't fit the, the, the little box they've built for queer men in this country. And it's just, and what really aggravated me personally um, was that there were cishet people saying, why y'all offended? More specifically cishet black people. Y'all get offended so easily. He apologized. Uh, the queers always getting their feelings. Basically, they were doing what white people do to black and brown people when it comes to racism. They were doing the exact same thing. We're like, KK, you can't accept an unapology on our behalf. A. Two, you cannot dictate what is offensive and what is not offensive. This wasn't aimed at you, boo-boo. And three, you are also an oppressed person. You should understand how this game works. I'm just, I was just, I was annoyed. I'm like, just, ugh. <sighs> Oh, we're having such a nice time. Ugh. So said men ruin everything. Marvin. What are we talking about? Which subjects are we on? The same one, gay gay. Oh, the gay gay one. Oh, um. Yeah, what's gay gay? I think I'm probably gay gay. But, but there's no le levels in this gay shit. I'm you don't gay, update to gay, level five. <laughs> You don't upgrade to level 5 once you get enough dick. Like, it's not how this works. <laughs> Which level of gay are you? I don't know. The one, I'm still on the level thing with my internalized homophobia, so... This level's gay. This level's still gonna be a while. Um, I'm just like, are you just? Are you actually just? Like, with this shit. <sighs> and it was right after Pride Month 2, which was even more annoying. Yeah, just the, the timing of this was just... Um, on the last, literally on the last day of Pride, and it came with this. No, it was like the day after Pride. Was it that? Was it day after? Yeah. Okay, and it just came with this mess. Ugh. It's like no one asked for it, so. I don't know why. Who sent for you, Boo Boo? Go back to your fucking non charting music. <coughs> Leave us alone. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah, gay, gay. I'm just a little tired. It's unmatched. Just and, so much, so much. So and he much. wasn't the only MC that we were. Talking about because, um, to quote Jamal, Nadia, the Janta, <laughs> um, came in also with um, her, okay. her bars. Bars? It um, wasn't bars, it was nursery rhyme. Can we know. say it's a bop? No. Um, <laughs> no. no. It's not bop of, bop of flop fry, then it would be a flippity flop anyway. Hi, Jamal. Continue, sorry. So, um, came in, we're all in lockdown. And then this music video drops a song with Youngster. Who else was there? Was it just saying Youngster? No, was there was the other guy. No, also. he produced it. Okay. So then, yes, there was, and then, yeah, they have a verse, shot pre-lockdown apparently. So, um, people's, people's friends are featuring in there and, um, Jamal has a lot of feelings on the verse. So in the, in living room. I'm like, yo, when's the last time I was there? Anyway, sorry. In living room? Yes. <laughs> I know, I think you have colored can you get. Well, yeah. not the way she raps in that verse. <laughs> <laughs> no. Sounding like a mix between Nadia Nakai and, uh, and Boozley. I'm, I was just like, why? Why? Look, my feelings for youngster also... We'll tackle it on another day, but they're also very grey at this stage. Yeah. But, like, I'm situation is, dependent. Youngster is a very talented rapper. Um, specifically when it comes to wordplay and the coloured experience and the way he, like, 
uses music to work through the colored experience. And his freestyles are also really good. Because mm-hmm. he can come up with um, kind of like really clever lyrics and stuff on the spot. We've seen him do it at numerous festivals and stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, if the song had like a dope female MC, like Patty Monroe or like so many other options or even unknown talent, but of all the people <laughs> to get, you choose Miss Nadia DJ after Miss 15K birthday party to be this feature in, I don't know who wrote that verse for her. Whoever that ghostwriter is also needs to be shot because that was garbage, hot garbage. The verse was garbage, the delivery was garbage. She looked cute. She did. She looked very cute. But I don't know who lied to her. Told I I want to know who lied to her and told her she was a singer. Because she this is apparently a third song. Fourth. Fourth song. Yes. Oh my goodness. Not only had two. Um. But but this is the thing that like, and so this was the criticism that came up was just the fact that we had all asked, it's like one, who asked for this? No one. Two, okay, she's getting a bag. That's great. However, how many other female MCs are there that could have used that feature to help elevate themselves. No one is saying that um, kind of like Nadia shouldn't necessarily be in this lane. Well, I'm not saying that because, listen, if this is what you want to do, baby, then do what you must. But it's a thing of so many other talented female MCs are in this country and they don't get the exposure that they deserve. We, like... Oftentimes, um, even like Patty Monroe, girl is dope, girl is fire, girl delivers, but girl is not brought up in conversation in the same way that we talk about male rappers. Rouge also, Nadia Nakai also, these are just like, um, also, uh, Boiti also just dropped in this game randomly and then she all of a sudden she became one of the tops and it's this whole thing of there are so many people who are like also in the underground scene that we don't necessarily know of but who have been doing this or have been working at this longer and the criticism that was that um that Nadia's thing brought up no but like it's a legitimate criticism of the fact that how many other people are have been doing this for years and not getting at the same level but that Nadia has. the thing is, you know, maybe she just wanted to try something. Like, there's no... no next step. There's a lot of other things. But there's no harm in her No, now you're talking absolute bullshit now. We're talking about... Wow. No, wow. No, 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 no. You, like, when it comes to the rap game, there are certain things you have to do to prove, even in a South African context, not so much, but, like, you need rapping and being an MC, there's a craft to it. Not in, even Kanye is not an MC. Kanye is a rapper. Two different things. Um, and there's a craft. And as much as I dislike Onika Tanya Mirage, Nikki is a phenomenal writer and wordsmith. And, and it's not just the way she writes, it's the way she delivers. There's an art form and a talent that goes into producing quality hip-hop and quality rap music. Nadia has not gave any inkling or... The, like, I would understand if there was like a mixtape... Yeah. Here or there, you know, 
she dropped like something on SoundCloud and it was cute and we all were like, oh, you're interested. Yeah. And then she got this feature. Then it would make sense to come out of the blue, drop out of nowhere. God. Yeah, you and got a feature and with the youngster. And the thing that... I get that. Wait there. Wait, wait, wait. Before I lose my thought. I get that, but also we need to remember that Nadi is not a singer or a rapper. She's just genuinely just a fucking celebrity. Which no, she's is not a celebrity influencer, two different things. Whatever, who just got rich from making followers Instagram. does not equal celebrity. Two different things. Okay, Jamal. Can I get to my point? Yes, continue. Okay. But also, we need to give her the benefit of the doubt. She probably didn't know these things. She probably just wanted to try something new for the sake of. You know, trying something and to stay re- relevant. That's the problem. But that's the problem. That's cloud chasing. It's that's all this is. It's cloud chasing. She wants clout. Because like every is... other idiot on the internet looking for likes and retweets will say the weirdest cuck and do the weirdest shit just for clout. That's all it is. Clout. Because the whole thing and the the and we can't also just let her use the excuse of oh she didn't know. If you don't know. You go, you go research. That's the thing of like, if you really want to do this, this, you have a responsibility that if you're going to do this thing, let me take the time to look into this. Let me not just do it on a whim. And as someone who went to university with this girl, I didn't even really know she existed when I was at university at the time. And then because she was just really quiet and you just see her and you're sitting in the corner at the back of the class and she wasn't really anyone um, noteworthy. Now people know her name. Now she managed to build um, a career for herself, which is very commendable. Gotta admire the hassle. But it's this whole thing of, so you've kind of like doing that and now you're swinging to things because it's like she then girl dropped a song. We all asked, okay, we didn't know you could sing this. We she still can't sing. Continue. We, we went, it, it was a cute-ish song, but it, it was like there was no like real vocal talent maybe it was that that specific song but then girl then also still doing media deals and also still that 15k birthday party we would just also looked at it sideways then it was also on competing and i think she actually won the tropica, tropica the tropica thing which is great that's fun you keeping your name out there but it again it just then became this whole thing of then when the single dropped we all just like Oh, so we now swiftly over into the music thing, and we are ra- we are we are rapper. I um, I okay. think that Nadia is a mixture between Gabby Hanna and Nikita Dragon. Like it's a mix of I'm gonna do five million things without sticking in my lane, which I don't understand. Like, girl, you have a lane. Just stick in it. Make cute videos with your mother. That's your lane. You're a very a bit like colored girls love you. Why are you now segwaying into hip-hop? Whom's asked for this? I, I'm sure your fans. And that was also for me the weird thing about this collaboration, about like, what is Youngster gaining out of this? Because in reality, Youngster and Nadia's fans kind of, they cross over because yeah. they kind of speak to the same type of, yes. uh, you know, the type of person that both these people yes. speak to. And it's, it crosses over. So what was the point? What was the reason? What was the reason? What was the reason? So, yeah, I just, um... Nadia, I tried, girl. <laughs> but okay. Okay, Marvin, like, we also just, just don't want to talk of you. Why is it that you feel that, like, we're maybe not giving her the benefit of the doubt? Because, I mean, she's young. Ah, she, 
Need Jamal. Jamal. No, Jamal. Jamal. You fatigue. You fatigue. Stop being just this makeup point. She's young and she's her hustle is actually very commendable. Did I not say it is not commendable? Did I not say? But you're not giving her the benefit of the doubt for her trying something new, Jamal. My issue, like I said, my issue is not the trying something new thing. Is like there was no inkling into you having an interest but in being a rapper or MC. You have to understand you she's don't young, jump in. and she probably doesn't know. Okay, I'm gonna try this thing. I'm gonna try this thing. Look, I also want to do different things. I also want to be a singer. I actually had a great conversation with one of my mutuals about influencer culture, specifically this country and how misguided it is. And Nadia, I think, is a great example into. We, I think the biggest issue we have in this country with influencer culture is there seems to be no team around these, a digitally focused team around these people to properly position them into making good decisions. When you look at how things work, specifically in the makeup space, for example, in America, as soon as people reach a certain amount of followers uh, on IG or they reach like 100k subscribers or even like between 50 and 100k subscribers, these people have managers, agents, a team. There's a team involved. James Charles does not exist even before he became like 10 million plus. When James was still like, when him and Tati were still friends initially. Well, the friends, oh, I don't know what that situation I'm going to get into my sister in a minute. Um, I know, Jamal, wait. No, I, I'm going to get into it in a minute. But <laughs> even James and Jeremiah Starfish, like these people had teams and managers that positioned them to make great business moves and segue into things that make sense. Um, Auntie Jackie, great example. You never see Jackie Ina making weird choices and like doing weird things for the sake of clout or attention. Jackie's brand has always been, Jackie's about inclusivity. She's about makeup. Um, she's a, sometimes about lifestyle, but she's focused about um, black inclusivity in the beauty community. And that's always been the focus of her brand. She's never deviated too far where it's like, why, huh? What? What's this? Girl, what are you doing? What are you doing? Even, uh, if you, even if you look at like Manny or, um, who's that a good example? Um, Nikki tutorials. All Nikki does is Nikki gives you complicated eyeshadow looks. Girl doesn't venture outside of that box. One of the biggest, um, she's one of the biggest beauty gurus in the world. And it's a focus, it's, it's, there's a team behind Nikki that positions her in things, even though that Two-Face deal was a hot mess, but that's a whole separate story. But in general, like, the teams approach digital space in a very smart and a effective way for their careers. Like, you never hear these people segueing into weird things, and you're like, huh, who, huh, hmm? huh, what? You're doing this now? Who asked for this? And that's just my point. It's just like, I don't, I'm, I'm like, you can try multiple things, but then you have to show like some sort of interest or like beforehand for you. Like Cardi B didn't have a song with Nicki Minaj after like one song. It didn't happen like, poo. it was like we had to have, Cardi had like mixtapes and several songs and then Bodak Yellow happened and that was the big moment where she propelled and people started taking her seriously and Carly's a great example of someone who started off in reality TV and then had a good transition from doing being a reality TV star to doing the work as a rapper 
Um, even if it's Ghost Rider and I really don't care, y'all can fight amongst yourselves about that argument in hip hop. Most of your fa most of your faves use Ghost Rider, so eat it. Anyway, um, segue from that into being the Balcolise that she is today. And that's just my point. Like, you don't go from being love and hip-hop star to Bodak Yellow in a two-week period. That's the point I was trying to make. Look at Kim, though. Don't that was also gradual. for the party. Oh, you mean Kim's also <laughs> Don't be tardy for the party. Anyway, I'm done. So check yourself. But I just said like, what I said. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like... Just like a lot of digital mess also, because then besides the the makeup beauty guru mess that's always happening, um, we were just enjoying our Sunday morning. Everything was peaceful. Everything was Why would your stories always start like that, Theo? It always starts like... Can we you let him finish his soliloquy, please? Continue. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry that I have a knack for segues. <laughs> And I know how to build narrative structure into a next topic Get to your point, segueing yeah. people and throwing people in, <laughs> into conversations. Okay, anyway, continue. You need to drag me and attack me. You attacked me. No, he didn't. Calm down. So look your way. Okay, guys, we'll be right back. <laughs> And we're back. So, Theo, your soliloquy. <laughs> um, yeah, we just started Sunday morning, very chill. And then Beyonce dropped the trailer for uh, Black is King. And then all hell broke loose. No, Beyonce because... said, Ah, ah, this diaspora wars. <laughs> so, yeah, and then we started version... How much uh, I don't I've lost track of our version. What Technically, are, I think it was the diaspora was. I think it was the diaspora's four because we had one, two, then two point five with the Indian War mess, but that was more like color Twitter versus India. Uh, and now we, I think this is three, the full on where we, where Black Americans and Africans just were arguing over this. But you're also missing out the when it was the. The UK and the South Africans who were also going, the black UK people and the black South Africans were also going. Girl, that, that just, we, diaspora was take 300 because <laughs> this is um, a side effect of the global community we live in. We're all sharing the stuff, we're all talking about it. However, we also need to realize that um, America and the UK, just because they are. Global superpowers are not the be all and end all. So, and our lived experience is different because we use colored here, they can't use colored there, and they don't get that. And just our lived experience is different. Um, and so, the diaspora wars were started over the claims that Beyonce is Wakandifying. Okay, just Africa. for context, quickly, just for those who don't know, I don't know how you don't know, listen to this podcast and don't know, but last year, <laughs> Um, last year, when did we get the gift? Last year, last year. Beyonce dropped the gift as an accompanying, uh, I don't say compilation, that's not the right word. Uh, like a curated project. album. Curated album. With Lion she, King. Yes, where she collaborated with a bunch of African artists, predominantly South African, so we can flex about that. But there were, um, 
but there was like Burna Boy was on there, there was like a whole other people from other countries. Um, there was like full tracks where Beyonce wasn't even on the song. Uh, on a few songs, Beyonce wasn't even on. She was just there in an executive producer capacity. Um, and she said it, uh, and good morning, in a good morning. In years, um, she said uh, that the gift was a love letter to Africa. And we all celebrated, we all jammed, uh, we were living, you know, we were all living. Jamal up. was performing My Power the, the day after it dropped. It was literally the day after I lost In my the mind. club. Um, we, didn't, we only got visuals for Bigger and obviously Spirit. Yes. Can you hear them? And but then like the gift calmed down. We were still jamming to it in Africa, or at least in South Africa, at least specifically. But then rumors started floating around because Beyonce was filming, and first we thought it was a music video for Brown Skin Girl, but then it died down again. And there was another rumor she was filming something else. Someone saw something on some blog, but B Legion never confirmed anything. So we all thought, ugh, it's just people reaching rumors, once again. Yeah. I fast forward. Here we get Blackest King, a trailer, full to the brink with, again, Beyonce not only working with um, African talent in front of the screen, but behind the scenes. A lot of people said they worked on the thing. We don't know in what capacity. Trevor Steerman said he worked. He was involved in it. And then obviously the actors featured. Um, a bunch of them were South Africans. Obviously, they were there. Um... But it was just 40 seconds. There was very little context to this whole thing, basically. We're assuming, we don't know it, this is like a visual accompaniment to the gift. Because that seems like the logical... But you never know with Beyonce. She could come left field and just drop like four new tracks with this and, and be like, be blessed my children. But anyway, so that's kind of the framework of Black is King. And then the diaspora was kicked off again and it was warfare. People were arguing left, right, center. It was again the Wolf. Beyonce stealing from Africa was the one argument. Shame one of my friends slash mutuals also got into it. Um, and then she got dragged because people said she was using AAVE to uh, make a snide comment about African American culture. And then people were angry about that. And it was just a mess. And then people complained about. The fact that it's going to be on Disney Plus and Disney Plus isn't available in Africa yet. And it was just the tears and the literally I've it's always been Beyonce does something. And it's not even we don't even have any real like something to talk about except for this 40 second trailer. But we had think pieces. People wrote threads upon threads explaining how Beyonce was commodifying the black experience. And I'm, I was just tired. I was just like, okay, y'all, go ahead. And then it was the whole argument about Beyonce and the capitalism and people feeling like Beyonce taking the black experience and profiting from it again. And I'm sitting there, and I've been in this beehive game for, yeah, about 20 years now. Yeah, 20, 19, 20 years I've been part of the hive. And I don't know about anyone else, but I know my queen. I know my queen's a capitalist. Um, I don't know. If people just found out that the Carters are full-blown capitalists, I knew all this whole entire time. So I was not surprised or shocked. I will still consume what my queen is giving her. And I'm not saying Beyonce is above criticism. It's just like, 
come with valid criticism. Don't come with a... Don't critique something that you haven't even seen yet. That was my big issue with it. Theo? So, um, obviously, this, this whole kind of, like, war situation kicked off, kicked off. And everyone had something to say about it. And But I think something that we always have to remember is the fact that one... Beyonce is the biggest entertainer in the world. And any and every piece of exposure that she gives to people helps. She knows her power, she knows the worth of her power, and she wields it to uplift um, those... Who benefit from it? Those who who will likely will benefit from it because that is something that people can acknowledge, kind of like going forward. And um, Beyonce's mama, Mama Tina, um, she also weighed in on this because um, someone came to the to her defense, and then um, Mama Tina wrote a whole essay because she was like, "I am not letting y'all drag my daughter," and then she was saying. Um, aren't you sick and tired of seeing us as slaves? She employs, um, the she being Beyonce, employs African and African-American people, fights for the many firsts in the fashion and film world. Take an inventory of yourself and your hate. Where is it coming from? I ask you to examine your heart and really take a look of what your motive is and what it is fueled by. Then take that energy critiquing and tearing down and put it into action that is fighting against the systemic racism that is going on right now and has been going on forever. Um, and later on, then she goes on to say, Beyonce is not your enemy, your enemy but you would swear that she was. Um, and so Mama Tina just said, I'm not going to let you attack my daughter. And um, the only kind of like really thing to say, to, to, to say is that like, one, it wasn't necessary for these think pieces and the diaspora wars to kick off because it was just a one-minute trailer. We haven't even seen the full thing, firstly. And also, it's not like she came in and she did this with American people only because all the South African and African people who featured in this will benefit. They will get the exposure. Um... Again, I think it was DJ Lags when the Grammy the Grammy weekend happened, I think earlier this year. He flew out to um Los Angeles to attend the Grammys and I think also the Beyonce um the Grammy after party because of his work on the gift. And the whole thing is that she didn't need to invite him out as one of the producers on that album, but she did and it was just this whole thing of it's important to kind of realize that and this is oftentimes what we talk about in like this mantling systemic oppression and using your privilege and your access to help uplift those who don't have the same access this is kind of the the main example of how to do that i think the reason why so many people were um obviously upset about this because um they feel frustrated by the fact that Africa telling African stories doesn't get the same amount of exposure. And that's not Beyonce's fault. That's 
partly our fault for also really not consuming African content um, to the level that we should, but also um, it's a thing of we can't put the blame on someone else like all the time. It's the fact that look at um, like one of the good things that happened of Blood and Water is that Blood and Water, the Netflix um, show that came out with six episodes, it's an yeah. African... Um, one of the African originals, South African made, locally produced, South African actors. And we hyped it up. We knew about it. We watched it. It was the number one show um, on Netflix. Then what else had happened? It blew up across the world. It was big in Brazil. It was big in America, number one in America. And that even now, even in the past week, Gabrielle Union tweeted about this. And she saw, she even talked about how she used blood and water in a pitch meeting and it just goes to show that our stories are worthy of being told and they will be consumed but it's also the thing of we have to be our champions also so we also have to acknowledge that there are more powerful people out there more necessarily also powerful just people with more exposure and more experience who are using that to help uplift us and we can't always keep wanting to fight against that. I don't know, Mormon, if you want to say anything about... I get this. that, but um, I mean, if we look at you know the history of... of uh, I'm going to go a bit off topic now for some reason, but the main thing that sticks with me when I heard Beyonce's song and um, you know, the, that connection with the Lion King, it reminded me a bit of um, a song that was written, written uh, years ago by a woman named Solomon Linda, if I'm not mistaken. And she was the original composer of The Lion Sleeps Tonight. And initially that song was written in Zulu. And then a group of white men obviously stole that song and profited off it and, um, you know, became this huge sensation with it and obviously it was adapted in the Lion King movie and then a few years later obviously the family of Solomon didn't receive any money for it and then oh my gosh how drunk am I <laughs> how drunk am I what's in this alcohol but anyway but, but, I, but I have a point I have a point I just need to find it just just bear with me bear you put with on this carrot voice for no reason Bear with me. Bear with me. I'm talking. I'm still talking. Continue. We're listening. Continue your story. We're waiting. Oh yes, where was I? So Linda Solomon never received any money for this, for this, for this, um, for this song. Until, you know, they took it to court. Yes, they took Disney to court. Lunka Olifant, who is now the spokesperson for the Minister of Social Development, actually covered that story before she became an alcoholic. But anyway, what was my point? I don't know. What was my point? I can't respond to your point of view. what was my point? I, Are you talking think, about like the commodification like, of the question of black art and the fact that yes, 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 uh, yes, that 
and and it's been profited off of you know opportunists and all of that stuff. Was that my point? Well, Beyonce is not doing that. I don't know where he was going with that point, but anyway, <laughs> that's not what Beyonce is doing. Um, don't laugh at me, Theo. Don't laugh at um, me. I know my my sister's a capitalist. I will never ever take. I will, I know the queen I serve, and she's a capitalist. Capitalist first, talented artist second. Um, so I I know the woman I serve. So I I was not shocked when I heard it was on Disney Plus. It makes sense. Also, she's using a bunch of Disney's IP, and they were not gonna uh, overload Disney. They were not gonna let it be on any other streaming platform. But Tina also said that Beyonce is working to get it. Most likely, I'm, I'm guessing it'll be on multi choice then, and that's the only logical thing I can see because multi choice is the only and TCV is the only provider that makes things available across the continent so that's the only unless they launched this knee i doubt that they would have had a rollout plan by now so that's most likely i'm guessing what it's going to be but again it's the first thing is like people arguing about as if beyonce is a white woman that's what frustrates me about these a lot of these arguments beyonce is not a white corporation coming stealing from africans and then repackaging and selling it to the world because that's usually what happens some white man decides on something, comes to Africa, steals, and then just repackages it and sells it to the world. That's not what Beyonce yeah. is doing. We Beyonce- do still have that issue, definitely still, but we're also just trying to fight against that. And um, I do get the like the criticism of like people being upset about it being available everywhere, everywhere else except Africa. But again, it's this thing of um, we also just like. It will be shown here because, yes, as Jamal said, Mama Tina did say that she's working on getting it shown here. And it's a thing of Beyonce is aware enough and doing all this extra work to do this when so many other people who are in a situation, um, especially if they were white, just wouldn't care. And they would just profit from this and carry on without a care in the world because they just know that they take the furor and then they take the backlash and then that would be it because it would be over. So we'll get some IOS apology and then have to move on. And yeah, I just feel like can we wait till this thing comes out on the 31st before we grab our pitchforks to the internet like Beyonce even cares. Like that woman went back to her mommy blog and congratulated Hailey on her birthday. So I don't know. I know who people are writing these think pieces for. I'm like, um, y'all know, Beyonce is not Nicki Minaj. She's not going to respond. Like, we know this woman. Like, Beyonce is not a Cardi B that's going to be out here with us peasants in these streets, arguing with people, back and forth. Thing. Yeah, but I said, like, she's, girl, you know you're going to watch it like everyone else. Like, you're going to be online on the 31st, like everyone else in the world, because Beyonce said, be there, be on time. Be blessed, my child. So shut up, take your think piece, shove it, give it a month, and then maybe we can have some form of a discussion. That's all. <laughs> so a lot of cool stuff also dropped this week. Um, I'll kick off. Canada's Drag Race kicked off on Thursday. So my weekends are very gay right now because it's on a Friday I watch Canada's Drag Race, then it's actual Drag Race on a Saturday. Then it's all the drag race related stuff. Anyway, um, so you just stuck in your drag race. Yeah, 
Um, I like Canada's Drag Race. Um, I like the first episode. It's basically like normal Drag Race, just without Rue. So, and unfortunately, some of the bad things have come with it. Like, I feel like the writers at WOW Presents, that's the production company behind all things Drag Race related. The writers are horrendous. And it's just like, they use, you can, I can... And what I mean by their lines, the show's obviously not scripted, but like the comments the judges say, and like they obviously have a script, and it's it's still that same cringeworthy jokes that fall flat because it's so forced sometimes. And the judging was weird though. I do like the panel of Brooklyn Heights and um, Jeremy, and then someone else. She she's uh, she's used to be a model. Anyway, I can't remember their name now. She's also they're all Canadian. Um, uh, I like the judge. I like the show. Um, I like the queens. We have a wide variety. Although, the on the <coughs> um, the first challenge was a kind of a you have to make this with random objects challenge, and some of the looks were looks. Some of them were like I'm like girl. This is now. I know this is the first season of Canada's Drag Race, but sis, like Drag Race, we are now in season. All Stars 5, season 13, probably they start shooting pretty soon. You should know by now how to sew. So that was just a bit like, ugh. Uh, because like some of the things were literally just like little fabrics tucked together. And I was like, oh sis, you're going home, aren't you? Anyway, good show. I would implore anyone to check it out. It's not available anywhere here. So use your other sites if you want to watch it. It's a fun watch. All Stars 5, the Snatch Game of of love was also luckily saved by Juju B and Mache Coulet and Alexis. Um, the rest was Mama and I'm quoting Barbie specifically with um, India who did German Starfish. Um, Mama, that's garbage. That's literally probably the worst impersonation of Jeremy um, Jeremy Star I've seen Jeremy Jeffrey Star I've seen in who. A minute like it was just mama that was garbage oh it was bad it was just like oh i was just like oh why why did you and like there was so much she could have done india could have done with jeffrey like bob made a great joke in the pit stop he said like why do you have a wand jeremy doesn't have a wand jeffrey doesn't have a wand he has a, a star mirror what are you glinda the good witch very funny um cracker also surprisingly did horribly um, I don't know why she did Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga's never been funny. This is now like the third or the fourth attempt that someone tried to do Lady Gaga. And it was, all she basically said was, you can be a hundred people in the room. And, and tried to spin a joke, but it was not funny. She didn't have Gaga's voice. Blair was also trash. Uh, but Blair and Shea Boyle with the looks. Uh, I'm happy Shea won again. I don't know why Vanji was the lipstick assassin. I've never viewed Vanji as a lipstick assassin. Love Vanjie, great TV, always a joy to see on my TV screen, but like I didn't understand why she was there. Okay. So the other kind of like thing that was really great um, that had us loving for our lives was Hamilton. We love um, the talent of Lin-Manuel Miranda and he just came and delivered and I was always aboard the Hamilton train and just listening to the soundtrack. I was just waiting to watch it. Yeah, so, and it was just really great to watch it because even for those of us who listened to the soundtrack, there was also still surprises in the show itself or songs that weren't on the soundtrack that were just um, 
for the stage play and moments and stuff. So it was just really great and it was just really powerful and you really just get to see talent and genius at work and you completely get why so many of the actors in the show won the Tony Awards for playing these roles because they were just superb in it. So, yeah, um, Legendary was also pretty damn iconic. Legendary, Legendary. Ah, Legendary, Legendary. Ah! Because they also had a type of villain's assassin situation going on there and um, Legendary is one of those shows where they are testing out a lot of things and it's getting better and it's and it's really kind of fun to watch. So, yeah. And this was the best episode by far. Like, so many gag-worthy moments from beginning to end. Um, the battles were made... The hand performance for me specifically stand out if we're talking about the actual, yeah. like, battle category. Carlos really brought it. Um, uh, Megan was less annoying. Um... Uh, although Winnie Harlow is a deplorable person, she was a great judge. Um, and then obviously the moment that had everyone gagging was <laughs> when the leader was um, the House of Longvon versus the assassins, and it was Lolita and Honey Balenciaga. <laughs> and when Lolita went, get over here, and just won the category over there. My favorite moment, though, was uh, when they were busy with the, the pre-roll for the... Uh, posing category and they've <laughs> that's, Mother Erica has just has given me life through this entire show and then when <laughs> so they were busy with the Sean Gucci's um, the Sean Gucci's segment and literally as literally as the segment is done Mother Erica the Sean Gucci is too stiff to pose <laughs> but I tell you I fell out and watched this like five million times over because I was like wow the shade the read the accuracy <laughs> The editing on the show is just getting better and it was like the battles and stuff were really great, so... Yeah, House of London. I'm fully behind House of London for the win. I don't like, have a particular house yet, so I'm still like enjoying the show as is and enjoying the battles and stuff, but I don't think there's like... There are standout moments, I'm just not attached to any house and we... Like, the semi-finals is this week coming, so... Um, I'm just enjoying the show. The only bad part of the episode was why was Jarrell wearing a full costume? I'm like, why are you wearing so much clothes? Like, why? I wanted to see you in the tiniest little skimp skimp attire. This could have been like, go, we know what you're packing. Can you show us on the show though? Ugh. I was just disappointed that Jarrell decided to wear like a full spawn inspired outfit and I was fully expecting a show anyway. Marvin, what are you watching that was... I'm actually watching the Sex in the City series again. What season are you on? I'm on season three now. And I forgot actually how messy but riveting and sexy this whole series is, but also at the same time very problematic. Yeah, the, like there was someone posted scenes of them being like very biphobic and transphobic. Yeah. Willem was actually on. He's in like multiple episodes in Sex and the City. Willem's a drag queen. He plays a a prostitute somewhere in the show. I don't know what to which season. I'm on season three, so I don't know where. It's just like I don't know. Sex and the City missed me. I don't know how that happened as a gay man. How Sex and the City just skipped me. It's it's problematic in a sense like it's for white women. Only, 
and it's the problematic stories <laughs> about finding the man. And also, yeah, I get the transphobicness also. And yeah, no, a bit of the homophobic. Yeah, it missed me. Like, same with Will and Grace. It was one of those shows that just missed me. Like, hmm. you want to talk about Warrior Nurses? Not particularly at the moment because <laughs> there's so much going on with that show. And there's too much to get into. Okay, all I want to say about Warrior Nun is like, it's and very, the premise itself is very interesting. I was yeah. very intrigued by this holy war set up. Our protagonist, though, is Mama, it's garbage. Ava, girl. For after season, <laughs> Ava was really annoying. Yeah, wow. And, that's a, and, that's, and it's a problem you shouldn't Jesus. have. I thought Sabrina was Yo. a headache. Do you know Ava? No, actually, like, Woo. Sabrina's still worse than Ava. Ava, at least, like, by episode. Seven, Seven to ten I was on board with Ava I was like Okay girl I got you Your vibe Episode one to almost like This girl is Cute She's subverting The um The kind of Like the tropes But then Ava got annoying And a person's like Yo girl You can only run away From the, your destiny So much <laughs> Before you get like Irritating Cause like Since you have a halo In your back A literal angel Halo is Lodged In Your Back Demons are appearing and your solution is let me run, hi. Yeah, let me go live a life that um, I don't want to... I want to live. Where? Where are you going to, sis? Where are you running to? Like, where, where, babes? Where? There are literal assassin nuns after you. There's a big corporation with the evil lady, science lady, also looking for you. With a billion dollar company. Where are you running? After some deck crawl that you're not even gonna get. Hey, yeah, yeah, she annoyed me. Girl, save the world first, get the dick later. Like, you. Priorities. Yeah. Uh, so, that was just a lot. I don't know, is there anything else that like, we're watching at the moment that, like. One last thing about Warrior Nun. Just, I just want to finish this. Sorry, yeah. just, I want one last thing. Please watch the show, it's really fun. But this show has a lot of. It's not even plot holes, it's. It's. <laughs> I wouldn't even say plot holes. It's plot, like, rapture. Ocean. <laughs> like, where things happen and characters don't acknowledge it. And we as viewers, we're sitting there very confused. We're like, so what, no one's going to address this? Are we just going to roll with it? Like, like because there's one character, for instance, that comes back from hell. But no one reacts to it. Like, when I say no one reacts to it, literally, character comes back. Everyone's like, oh, you're back. Yeah, and we have a five-minute oh, okay. conversation about the implications of this, and then we just move on. We're like, okay, so we're going to ignore the fact that a demon lodged a part of themselves in you, sucked you to hell, you mystically reappear, and we're just going to ignore... With... Okay, okay, so that's what we're doing. So, Great. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put it to new for season two, but just the writers have, like, created 500 questions, and we just need answers. Yeah, no, I understand. Like, I like a show that gives you questions at the end of a season. Like, no one... Like, I don't need a show to wrap everything up nicely with a bow. Especially when, obviously, this is going to be a multi-season arc thing. Like, that's not what we... I don't think anyone expected to be... To have answers for everything. But you also don't want, like, so many questions that you eventually have to answer now. Because the, the plot holes are far and wide. So many... Like Armand Rizzle's hole. They are far and wide. <laughs> That's a gay porn reference for those of you who are annoying. Um, um, and if 
we want to get into other mess, we have to bring it back home to the city of Cape Town. Oh. Um, who were on all levels fuckery to the fuckiest of fucky. Races with their chest. Yeah. Um, <coughs> Moment. Entire chest. Set the scene for us. You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there are no words to describe this week, actually. Okay, tell what happened first. What okay, let's start from the beginning. So, what started off as a eviction order initially. Trans- in the middle of a pandemic and in the middle winter. of a pandemic and the middle of winter, which is already alarm bells. This law enforcement officers go in an informal settlement and tear down a structure with a man in, bring out the man, drag him out naked on top of it. Basically humiliated, ripped off his dignity, and he has to now watch how these bastards literally tore down his structure, his only home in the middle of winter. To me, I feel Dan Plato's leadership is a mess. And we always knew that he is an inefficient leader. I mean, his track record speaks for itself. I mean, he was in government when he took over from Helen Ziller. I mean, his tipping point that time was already the toilet saga where he couldn't even instruct his maker at the time to enclose toilets in an informal settlement. A basic human serv- a basic human rights that he violated, number one. Number two is we can safely say that he has no one on his side. His maker has given up on him. No one trusts him. And I think... Patricia, when she was in charge, the only thing that she had in her power was loyalty from people who actually told her, listen here, don't catch on cuck like that. And he doesn't have that. He has no one to actually tell him, listen here, this is fucking disgusting what you're doing. This is disgusting on a whole new level. And he's not taking those people to task. And also... He's just a mayor in name and not in power. And it's disgusting. Because the demagogue of politics is still out here. And if you, if you, the most problematic thing, if you have a mayor who says in a parliamentary meeting, I don't have anything against black people. I have black friends. I even consider black people as my friends. He's coloured, by the way, and we can get into coloured anti-blackness and coloured identity with regards to blackness in, the next ep- in another episode. Anyway, we just need an episode continue. for that alone because... Yeah. You have a leader like this who literally says something like that, but on the outside, you have them tearing down structures in the middle of winter, number one. You have them taking forever to declare heritage status for an area that's been longing for protection because they are so greedy for money that developments are going up and they're so, you know, in the developers' pockets. So it's... I don't know what to make of it anymore because it's... It's anti-black, it's anti-poor, it's just being racist and being an agent of white supremacy with your entire chest. Why Helen is still allowed on Twitter, I do not know. I don't know, I don't... I blocked her a long time ago. I blocked her. At, I blocked her the, before she went away. Then she went away and came back. And I was like, what, why is she back? 
I hope Twitter does the same thing to her, the, the, to Kate Hopkins because I'm also sick and tired of that woman coming with a weirdo, weird hot takes about cock and this is the person leading the DA in FedEx. And, That's the problem. And you know, everything just starts making sense about what Patricia said when she left the party and what Brett said and what Musi Maimani said and what, you know, um, Herman Mishabit said, that they are still these white liberals in the party who conservatives rather that are so that want to keep they want to keep the party so white that they don't want anything to you know taint the party's image that it has to be white that it has to be because white is right in their eyes i don't know where helen lost the plot though that's for me it's like is it a kanye rupal syndrome where because helen was like in her early political career on the progressive side and then as time went along it just because in the words of nini it's getting weird like it's just getting weird yeah, like, she, she did a good job when she was mayor like she was very active like my mother worked for the city and i remember helen was extremely active in the informal settlement she was she was the only mayor who would actually go to the informal settlements and would actually make it a priority especially the backyard dwellers you know, the people that are renting public housing from the city of Cape Town. She made it a priority to make it accessible for them to be part of the city in some way. But now it seems that the poor and marginalized people are now so far away that they don't have access to, you know, their leaders, the basics. I don't know. I'm drunk. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> My... Biggest gripe with the city um, is that the city, um, so in this, like, not just in this instance, in the instance of homeless people, um, of finding homeless people, and the instance of, like, um, just, like, so many other things, the city keeps going back to this argument of we are just enforcing our bylaws, mm -hmm. and this is well within our right to do. But then my question, like, um, as of lately, has it's, it's always been, well, why don't you change your bylaws? If your bylaws are anti-black, anti-Islam, anti with your also the situation of the um, Adnan, the, the call to pray that you want to then ban. Was it one complaint? Yes, it was. That became a thing. <laughs> so it's then a noise complaint. And then, um, like, finding homes. If your bylaws are anti-black, anti, black, anti um, like Islam and just against basic human decency then change it logic would dictate that you change it and the biggest problem with the city is that the city keeps on working for the white and the privileged and the city says oh yes look at what we're doing and the, and, and the problem is you do the bare minimum for black people and colored people and people of color but you do Above and beyond. Above and beyond for the white people in the white areas. And so much money that is spent on the middle class suburbs. That it's not that they don't need it. But it's just that you are working on things that are like minor details. That's so how much money that you've invested in these suburbs. That you're working on the minor things now. Where like, oh, 
the the a lamp is out you must fix that or there's a there's like the something with the road 24 must be hours fixed. if you live in a white area or like cbd adjacent if there's a street lamp out you contact your counselor 24 hours later whoop, it's back on but yet we're still fighting to get proper lighting and proper street lamps in the townships because and informal settlements because we know that that contributes towards Violence, it contributes towards crime. It's the fact that there's not enough lighting at night. And that's just the basics. And yet we keep bringing up discussion. If if you keep saying we're enforcing our bylaws, change the fucking bylaws. But yet the city is just sitting here twiddling their thumbs. And they say, oh no, we are doing what we can. We are, we are not anti-black. We are not anti-this. It's like, you are anti-poor. You keep, you say it with your chest every action. It's like, and like... It just gets so frustrating and so irritating because what we all want as a society is to move forward and is the is to if you really want to tackle crime, you tackle the systemic issues at the root of it. This is always what we say: employment, making sure people are fed, making sure people have jobs, making sure the children go to school. So if these and making sure people have houses if so many of these basic things were covered it would go the longest way to deterring people from crime because people wouldn't feel like they're in a hopeless situation after resort to crime to robbing someone to attacking someone to stabbing someone to 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 stealing their phone or holding them up at gunpoint because then people wouldn't feel like they're in a hopeless situation. But again, capitalism, patriarchy, um, racism, all of these things are just constantly working together. And under the umbrella of white supremacy, which is our biggest issue, all these systems work towards keeping white supremacy. Because without white supremacy, capitalism doesn't exist. Capitalism is literally the biggest system um, that keeps white supremacy keeps white supremacy and its agents working over time. That is the thing. Um, because if you dismantle, to dismantle capitalism, you have to dismantle white supremacy too. That means you would have to get all these billionaires to redistribute their wealth, which would cause chaos. Even in our country, it would cause absolute chaos because this country's economy is still very much in white hands. And that is the big issue is like if everyone, if our country was set up like a lot of the first world countries where we had great medical facilities, um, where medical care was, uh, good medical care was free, where everyone, um, where your biggest, uh, the biggest class for citizens was like a middle class um, and even like people in lower class get then subsidized. To a reasonable manner by the state, like a lot of the not America, obviously that's a shit show. Um, talking about the European countries, um, then you d- uh, the reason these places don't have a lot of crime is because people can not just survive but exist and thrive, and that I think is that's the undermining factor about these things because we have to kind of we're in this moment now where a lot of these structures are. Well, unfortunately, they have to be broken down and wealth needs to be redistributed. Because, especially in South Africa, where the, when, when, I, when we tell you the divide between rich and poor is far, far, and even middle class is you one paycheck away. Yeah. 
um, from f- f- stumbling down the lovely classes in Jane. And it's just, it's just disgusting as to like the fact that we're 2020 and we're still struggling with these issues. Yet again, we are still here. Ugh, it's just... You know, I hope that this guy that was, you know, dragged out naked was human rights was basically ripped to shreds. I hope he becomes a symbol of this government's inefficiency to actually address issues like housing, the basics, you know. I couldn't give a fuck if that housing, if that land was earmarked for housing for 162 million. The fact is you haven't been doing anything. There hasn't been any tenders issued out. You've been making this a slow, you know, progress development. So it's forcing people to take drastic measures and desperate measures to actually seek some sort of solace somewhere. Like now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, fuck white supremacy. Fuck all these capitalist institutions. Burn it all to the ground. And I mean, (laughs) to Dan, if if Dan is listening to this podcast, if someone can share it with Uncle Dan, (laughs) please, someone... (laughs) Uncle Dad <laughs> and Auntie Zilla. Yeah, Oma Zilla. Uncle Dan, chase awesome men, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, Dan is a pastor. He's actually a pastor. Can not? Can we just leave religion? So, um, to Dan. <laughs> yeah, let's not get into the. Like the, the consistent fuckery of colored pastas. I don't want to dance. Okay, let me just finish my message to Uncle Dan. Dan, just once means as a Come recht, man. Come recht. Translation, Uncle Dan, you are our people. Just get the fuck right. <laughs> get the fuck right. Uh, enough now. You know, he's, the problem is his spokesperson. That's what I'm saying. Oh, it's, it's, that's a personal fight you have, bro. No, I'm, I mean, I'll take my fight right on this podcast, to be honest with you. I'm not scared of it. Okay. Anyway. Close the Close the okay, we'll be right back after the short break. <laughs> and we're back. And it's time for our musical segment. Let's make it music. <laughs> Let's get musical. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I wanna get music. <laughs> Sorry, what about last guys? Uh, Robert, you can start us off. What have you been listening to? I've been listening a lot to Phoebe Ryan, and I've also been listening to um, Toya Delay's album back in 2013. I was just taking a trip down memory lane. Someone else's like album with like. Uh, from the 2000s I was listening, listening to like a few songs was Jack's Panic like the other day and I was like I'm in a Jack's Panic mood and it was just so South African and like it was just a thing of wow we really had good essay music back then and now look at us now no I have nothing big it's just Craig's new song Happy I was I was I was I was the best dressed though I'm like sis yours, there's a lot of emotions for like What's going on? Like, I still like the song though. I was just like, I was surprised at this like openness and emotionalness because I was expecting fully a bop and then we you got said, this emotional. I'm gonna give ballads. you ballad, girl. Give you ballad. 
Um, something else I've been listening to was like a lot of ballads this week. So like the one that just dropped with Experience, Victoria, Monet and Khalid. That one is really dope. And then the, it was the, the oh, the one with Tom Mitch and Yusuf Days that, but it's the Jordan Reiki. I love Tommy. The Jordan, the Jordan Reiki version of um, What Kind of Music. So that was really dope. And then also the New Disclosure song, My Energy, or High Energy, or High, which is really dope. And I've been really kind of enjoying it. And that laugh girl, that, no. that stifled laugh, please share with the class. No, I will say it after the podcast because it's not a public consumption. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, guys, we do manage to censor ourselves sometimes. Uh, yeah, no, I listen to the same 20 songs, though. <laughs> Still rain on me and repeat. So. Yes, girl, we yes. know. We hear it. <laughs> right, right. right. Oh, That's such a good album. Sure. It is. It is. That's its latest. Don't be too loud. <laughs> but yes, it is. It's, uh, that album is slowly growing on me. No, that album's... I'm, I'm, I think that album's still going to carry us until eventually we're in the club and we just... Jamming. But when will that be? We are hoping for a December, where you, a key December boss, but At Corona least for my just. birthday, you know, in October. If we can go to a club. Is she? October's too soon, girl. I, I wouldn't put my hopes that high, hey? If the country's only peaking in August, given the current estimations, in I don't know. That's too close. But we shall see. We live in hope and pray. Any final thoughts? Uncle Dan, come reg, man. Asseblief, jyre. Ek sê het weer, Uncle Dan. Theo? Um, I think just... Can we just try to get through this, guys? Like, we've, we've been through the utter hell <laughs> of lockdown. Sure. And... We are still behaving like she's not out here killing people. Like, can we? Muskoka V is not that bitch. So, please, 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 just stay inside. <laughs> and know, wear your like, mask. White people, wear your mask. You know, I was today at Garden Center and you had to see all the people, white people specifically, who aren't wearing any masks. And they're not taking this seriously. Whites. Yarra. Speaking about white people, um, I just want to talk about Miss Tati Westbrook and her lovely video that dropped. Oh, God. I was fully entertained by everything. The white and white crime is just... ah oh, The white and white crime. Flavor. I just want to say, sidebar, you hoes that are on Twitter like... Why can't these influencers do their influence and, and speak out about other things? I'm like, girl, Kiki, no one is looking to Jeffree Star, Shane Dawson, Tati, anyone involved in this Dramageddon 3, the remix, part 3. No one is looking to them to speak out about Black Lives Matter. So you can shut up. And there was a white woman, I think. Or there was some white person that wanted to tell us where to get. Kiki, listen to me now, clearly. We can focus on multiple things at once. So, some of us have been fighting this good fight for years and are actual black and brown people fighting for actual equality and we can enjoy this drama and still fight the battle. So you can like take your opinion, keep it to yourself, Shh, let people enjoy things. Because I have been fully entertained by 
this mess and Tati's 40 minute video. Look, the one thing about Tati Westbrook is Tati will give you a video and she will be glowing. Tati is just oh, such a lovely. And before she got hooked in by Jeffrey, she was just like the nicest content to watch when it comes to like just when you want to escape to privileged white woman, but like privileged white woman where you have no, you know, Tati was that privileged white woman where you know she's privileged. But you had to stand because it was like just the air of Miss Tati Westbrook was just everything. And this video yet again, Tati came skin glowing and just, ah, uh, every time Tati comes on camera, it's a moment. But this, this specific, what was it, breaking my silence video, oh, Tati came with the heat. And I, be and I believe a lot of the things she said, um, she basically confirmed that Shane and Jeffy orchestrated by sister, um, um, she also revealed she made up with James. James actually wanted to be with her in the video. So I'm actually low-key happy they mended things. She apologized to Jackie, which I didn't expect. But what took me out was the fact that she moved away from... Um, moved away from, a from LA to a different location, then moved back again, but still in an undisclosed location. Because this woman is fearing for her life, babes. I knew Jeffree Star was trouble, but... This is now the second or third person that has said they fear for their lives because of Jeremiah Starfish. <laughs> like, what does this man have on everybody in the beauty... Not everybody, let me rephrase that. What does this man have on the white people in the beauty community? Because everyone is scared. He's like, he's like the mafia boss of the beauty community. And it's just been the downfall of Shane Dawson um, and like old videos... And it's just been mess upon mess in white beauty guru world. And I was here. I'm here for all of it. Um, special mention to, I just want to say also on a side note, since we're speaking about Jane Dawson and that Willow Smith disgusting video you made. Um, Sisets, please, open relationships aren't a new thing. Polyamory isn't a new thing. If August was brought into a relationship with Jada and Will approved, it's not an affair. It's a relationship. He was... He was given the stamp of approval. Jada did what needed to be done, except she should have, should have gotten him to sign an NDA. That was her being a dum-dum. But beyond that, it's not an affair. It's not a side. He was there. Jada had a fun. She moved on. So, um, yeah, no. De um, depending on whatever tea Jada spills with herself <laughs> table <laughs> we shall cover it because we know it's going to be fire. Like... That just uh, the little bit that dropped this week and had us all talking and Jada said, I'm going to take myself to the table talking and we're just like, girl, what? And, yeah, oh. I just want to say like, for the queers were looking at this, we were like, <coughs> meh. Because open relationship polyamory is actually a very common occurrence uh, in the queer community. We aren't wrapped up in heteronormativity and think that monogamy is the only option. So I didn't understand what the hoopla was about, but y'all lost your damn minds. Um, at the idea of, and, and I think it's specific because it was Jada having a relationship with someone outside of Will. Because why would a black woman have agency over sexuality or body? Because we must hate black women. But anyway, so yeah, I'm enjoying um, the Tati Westbrook, Jeffree Star, Shane Dawson roller coaster we're on a year later, yet again. I'm Anxiously, not anxiously. I'm and I'm mouth agape, mouth watering, waiting for Jeffrey Star to come back.
because he's been quiet. He's left Shane out to dry, which I'm like, serves you right, sis. After you said Jeffrey was family. I'm so happy. Not happy. I just, I'm not surprised Jeffrey's leaving you out to dry and basically for the vouchers to eat at your corpse. Um, but I'm full. I cannot wait for Jeffrey to come back and spill this tea he apparently has because I have a feeling he's going to come and drag everyone down with him. Yeah. But anyway, I still don't like any of these people. I'm not subscribed, subscribed to any of their channels anymore. I, I used to be, I was subscribed to Tati's channel for a while, but then I unsubscribed after, after a while. J James, I'm still iffy about because it's, uh, I, I can't trust James because James, in one second, it's be a wholesome, fun content. And then whoop, whoop, four seconds later, he says something dumb, dumb. So, um, support black influencers, specifically the black, uh, beauty community influencers, um, Neon MUA, uh, Jackie Ina, Alyssa Ashley, um, Nima Tang, there are a lot of these girls and black queer boys doing the thing in makeup. Y'all need to check, check them out and stop supporting these horrible people that keep doing the same thing over and over again because we allow the how many time did Shane apologize now when it was like, as always, scandal, iOS response, video apology. Then it's again, scandal, iOS response, video apology. Let these people, like Moses, let these people go, please. Um, yeah, I just, ah, uh, yeah. Beauty community mess, y'all, if you want to get into something really fun and entertaining to watch, just dive into the beauty community and the mess that is surrounded by those three people. You would be, believe me, you will be entertained for hours, hours, how people that their day job is, how to tell you to make a cut crease has gone from that to it being a whole saga about racism, betrayal, manipulation, backstabbing. And it's just, ah, oh, such great, ten, such great entertainment. Please take a look. You'll have fun. All right. And I think that's a wrap, guys. Cool. See you guys. Thanks.